Our podcast is about a story about a town, a small town, and the people who live in the town. From a distance, it presents itself like so many other fandom podcasts all over the internet. Nerdy, white, male. Get closer though, and you start to see the silliness underneath. Welcome back, everyone, to River Dews and River Don'ts. It's the podcast where we give you a quick rundown of what happened in this week's episode of Riverdale. Well, this week's is disingenuous. This is already on Netflix, but you get what I mean. We give you our River Do's, which are the best parts in our estimation of the episode. River Don'ts, the worst parts. And our Weird of the Week, or Weekly Weird, something like that. Something with alliteration. Imagine that I'm clever, please. Where we discuss the things that just left us scratching our heads a bit, which this show never disappoints with. Indeed it does not. Indeed it does not. This week, we're going over Chapter 7, In a Lonely Place. This was directed by Allison Anders and written by Aaron Allen. Okay, we need to talk about the alliteration power in this Uh team that made this episode right now because Archie Anders being written by Aaron Allen, directed by Allison Anders, is just magnificent. It truly, truly is. That is three people, six initial A's. So we should get into our recap of this, the episode I really consider to be the strongest episode of Riverdale so far from a storytelling perspective. I was immensely pleased with this and in fact, like, was hard pressed to find a solid river don't in this episode. I'm inclined to agree with you. It was very, very solid. It really put it out there and worked it in just a very competent sort of way. So we start off with Jughead having a just bizarre dream sequence where we use it as a very flimsy excuse to ape the 1950s aesthetic of the Archie comics in a funny wink to the audience kind of a way. Indeed. We discover that he is living just Harry Potter style under some stairs just in a closet in the school, at least Mm -hmm. for the moment, because of course we have already been through that the drive-in was closed and that's where he was living before because he does not feel comfortable at home. Uh, For reasons we explore more in this episode, we get Cheryl sort of pressuring Sheriff Keller to organize a kind of a manhunt for Polly, who has run away, of course, by the end of the last episode. And where might Polly be but hiding in the attic of her childhood home where Uh, Betty discovers her? Classic. And she says that more or less she pioneered the techniques of sneaking in and out of that house. And that's why she was not discovered and was unlikely to be discovered, which I thought was kind of cute. Mm -hmm. But Cheryl offers Betty some help in terms of helping with Polly's whole situation uh, after a bit of particularly keen social observation and sort of figuring out what's going on just by kind of watching Betty's reactions to things. And then we more or less get into the whole drama with F.P. Jones, uh, with Jughead's dad, which takes up a lot of the episode. That A plot. We find out after Fred Andrews offers Mr. Jones a job again, some more of the details concerning their previous falling out and the events that at least FP would tell you led to his descent into a life of crime. Uh, I think that Fred would have a slightly different take on the order of operations there. Indeed. 
but we find that Fred bailed him out of jail back in the day and more or less set it up so that that payment to get him out of jail was a buyout of his share of the construction company, which, I mean, let's not look too closely at the legal workings of that. That sounds like nonsense to me, but that's what happened. And it is pretty clear that the company is worth a lot more than that. Half of the company, I should say, is worth Mm -hmm. quite a bit more. And that put the Joneses in a bad financial situation, which, I mean, I'm not going to make excuses for F.P. Jones, but being under that kind of stress and having that kind of upheaval in your life does make it rather more difficult to control your addictions. Yes, it does. Oh boy, does he have some. We, Jughead is suddenly taken into custody as a suspect in the murder of Jason Blossom. Quinn, can you help me out with that? Why did that happen? Jesus Christ. Um, because he had fingerprints in the car, I guess? Which they... Sort told of, the police I felt about it. Absolutely adequately explained before. And then double that up with the fact that when he was a small child, he was playing with matches, and that was put down as him attempting to burn down his elementary school. Which does, of course, make him responsible for all further acts of arson in the Riverdale area. Correct. I mean, that's a pattern, Just right? Not not real sure about like the plausibility of the grounds under which he is taken in. Uh, oh, but... no. But the Riverdale Police Department will take any excuse they can get to nab a, a potential perp. Especially if they're a angsty teenager. Mm-hmm. We get a really ballsy, putting himself on the line move from Fred, from Archie's dad, with him just fabricating an alibi for Jughead. He's feeling some guilt, I think, about probably how both his decision to fire FP in the past and this construction project that got rid of the drive-in, how all these things have affected Jughead. Indeed. And just sort of more or less on the faith of his son that his friend would never do such a thing. He makes up an alibi for Jughead and gets him out of custody. Yep, he goes so far as to falsify documents. We then get Polly making the I mean really the exact decision I would make in her position and moving in with the lodges when they offer instead mm-hmm. of living at home or with the Blossoms or something, like, just just staying out of that whole mess. Absolutely. And we close with our classic main season plot stinger of Jason Blossom's jacket just being hung up prominently in a closet in F.B. Jones's house. Like you do. Which, of course, makes it profoundly unlikely that anyone but him was the one who burned the car out. Yeah, Though not impossible. Probable. Though not impossible. This this show is not above a little bit of chicanery here and there. Oh, certainly. So, God, there's so much to like in this episode. The conflicts really kick into a higher gear. At least the plot-based conflicts. The, there's still angst. There's always been angst. There forever will be angst. Amen. But the real narrative-moving conflicts all really kind of ratchet up and begin to become more interrelated in this episode, which is something that I liked a ton. Yeah. And so I think that my river do for this week, the very best thing, is the way that the entire episode features a theme of conflict between parents and children and an upheaval of the dynamics between parents and children. 
uh veronica starts getting revenge on her mom for forging her name by just going on crazy partying and shopping sprees we start to get into jughead's dad's alcoholism and emotional volatility and we get this heartbreaking portrayal of this kid trying to help take care of his father and yeah and uh mr jones's attempts to get himself back on the straight and narrow to like do right by his son and a really i think realistic depiction of someone who really wants to get better and but showing that good intentions on their own don't solve addiction and don't solve patterns of toxic behavior and there are a lot of steps back for steps forward yeah you know we get the secret of polly's location which puts betty in an interesting conflict with her parents and we get Archie's, I don't fully agree with his judgment of his dad, but it's super believable as a s- sort of simple teenage mindset of like, well, you did these things that were best for our family and for your business, and you really had no choice but to do, but my friend got hurt, and so I won't forgive you for that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, like, like without a consideration of like, well, really though, Archie, what would you do if you were in that position? Like, how could you possibly do any better than that? But it felt authentic to me that that's not what he's concerned with. Yeah, maybe this is reality and this is what happened, but it could have been better for my friend somehow. I don't know how, but I'm mad. And I liked that as well. So we end up with all four main characters having a shift in dynamics with their relationships to their parents that are often tied directly into various plots and conflicts. And that's my River Do. It's a really well-structured, thematically rich, and consistent episode that ties a lot of powerful connections between different characters and different elements of the story. I agree. It was actually very, very tight, this episode. Not something that we've, you know, seen, not particularly on the top list of adjectives for previous episodes. Yeah. The show does like to play it somewhat loosey-goosey with its plots. And so it was interesting seeing something that was relatively direct and tight and more or less hit all of its marks. Mm-hmm. And My Riverdew ties into that, which I think is sort of the capstone of these conflicts, or at least some of them, which is the scene that we get when Jughead is released from custody, where his father, FP, is ready to go in and just probably deck Sheriff Keller. <laughs> They have to de-escalate that situation, and you see at the end, or toward the end of that encounter, Jughead trying to determine what direction he is going to take himself in. Is he going to go and live with the Andrews, or is he going to go back home? And you see him hesitate, and then announce that he is going back to live with FP, who then, in a moment of self-awareness... I suppose, or maybe trying to protect Jughead, who knows exactly why, but says that it's probably for the best if he goes and stays with the Andrews while he figures himself out. Yeah, and in a really shocking display of vulnerability from a character who fits so many like toxic masculine stereotypes. Exactly. The raw power of how much he wants to help his son and the shame over knowing that he isn't well-equipped to help his son was very powerful, I think. And that really mirrors what Jughead is feeling as well, where he really wants to help his father. He wants to see his family come back together, but he's a child. He doesn't have all of the faculties or resources or 
abilities to repair this family, and most adults don't have those either. And so you get to see both of them struggle and needing to sort of reconcile the limitations of their capabilities, and that very much is directly expressed in that scene, and I thought that that was very, very well pulled off. And um, similarly, you get more of this whole dynamic in the scene where FP is going to treat them all to food at the diner, and Fred tries to pay for it, and he gets really mad at Fred about it. And, yeah. Like, it, it gets really tense. You see the intersection of intentions and issues, you know, um, people's damage versus what they want for themselves and people around them. Uh, it's exactly. dark and heartbreaking and very, very true to human behavior in a way that maybe sometimes Riverdale likes to skate around. Fair enough. With that said, I think that we should move on to our River Don'ts. My River Don't this week, like you said at the beginning, it was actually somewhat difficult to pick a River Don't, something that was really bad, and I can appreciate yeah. that about this episode. It was nice to have to struggle to find something that was worthy of fitting into this column. And for me, this is just a matter of stretching believability to just a slightly... It goes just a bridge too far, my River Don't, which was actually Polly's hiding out in the attic. Okay, yeah. Attics, I don't know how well crafted their home is, but they tend to be creaky, loud sort of spaces. Yeah. You're not going to be able to yeah. be particularly comfortable up there. I don't know exactly how Polly got in, but if she did sort of clambering and sneaking, maybe entry through a window or some such, she is rather pregnant. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> Fair to say. But, so that seemed to me to be something that stretched believability just a little bit too much. Mm -hmm. But aside from that, I I really struggled to come up with something that was like actually bad. Right. Well, and my river don't similarly is a stretch because honestly, it was good for the story. Um, but I'm gonna sort of, so it's, so it's definitely a cop out, but I'm going to throw my river don't to Alice near the end of the episode, lying to Betty and saying that Polly chose adoption. This is, again, I disclaim, this is good for the story, but just the level of disgust that I viscerally felt at this parent lying to her child about the choices that her other child is making about her baby to try mm -hmm. to make Polly's life more difficult and make it harder for her to choose anything but what she wants and trying to control the information that her children have about one another just made my flesh crawl. But, you know, it's it's actually good for the story. So it's, this is, I'm going to try not to have such a bullshit river don't uh, ever again. But <laughs> like I, sometimes that, an episode's tight and you got to stretch. Yeah, the, the improbability of Polly's sneaking into the attic didn't occur to me in the moment. I like your river don't better than my own, but this is the thing that has a frowny face next to it in my notebook. So it's, you know, it's written stone at this point. Aye. What about your weekly weirdness, Rob? Oh boy. Um, 
that's something that I feel like no matter how good the episodes are, I'm never going to have that much problem. Uh, the problem is always going to be choosing between rather than finding. Oh, absolutely. So I will say that things got the couple of runner ups is just the absurdity of the image of the Blossom family turning out for the hunt for Polly, looking like the fucking landed gentry going out on a fox hunt. They brought dogs. They sure did. (laughs) They sure did. They brought the hounds. Send the hounds out, Ryston. It it was... It was really funny, uh, but that's that's a runner-up. There were weirder things. It is dead heat between everything that happens in the first three minutes of the episode for <laughs> my weekly weirdness. The Archie Comics dream sequence, which in this really narratively tight and thematically well-structured episode is the most self-indulgent nonsense. Um, that was that was close, but honestly, I think that my true weekly weirdness for this episode is the fact that every janitor at Riverdale High is officially fired. Right now, fired. There's a kid living in the fucking closet in your school, and you motherfuckers don't know. You don't, and... <laughs> like... No one's locking up what? at night, or Jughead's got a lot of ways that he gets in and out. It, it's bananas. Yeah. Like, we talk about it being sort of improbable that Polly got in, but she could have snuck in when her parents were both at work and just been quiet thereafter, or some something, maybe? This thing with Jughead, what on earth? So, yeah. Her, Jughead's, like, Harry Potter suite is definitely my river... River Weird, my Weird of the Week. I, <laughs> you just kind of have to, have to whistle past that graveyard yeah, into the you, rest you of this really good do. episode. You're like, okay, this is just the world that we inhabit. Huh? This uh-huh. is what it is. This is where we are. My weekly weirdness was actually that setup that you mentioned in your honorable mentions, especially when contrasted with the sort of Nancy Drew and the Hardy Boys round up the gang that was going on on the opposite side of the river, juxtaposing these two groups going out like a bunch of little rascals and then these tweed jackets and riding boots and actual fucking hounds was too much for me. This is the first, well, now it's happened before, but we're going to see kind of an escalation leading from that bizarre Tim Burton fever dream of an episode we had earlier of this theme of the Blossoms are not human beings like that's not gonna stop happening (laughs) correct correct absolutely correct so that i believe wraps up our discussion of in a lonely place which again i reiterate is probably my favorite episode so far yeah it really is we're at worst episode i may have made some system of a down references but i couldn't well you there in the audience will just have to imagine what i might have done all two of you yeah both, both, both of you. Thanks, by the way. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> Always a pleasure. <laughs> <laughs>